If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 180 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on April 30th, 2023, the final day of April. And to that I say... Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Speaking of the Lord and Savior here on this Sunday, which is anything but a blessed one for the New York Yankees, does anyone out there by chance know a good priest? Because this team needs a really good blessing as soon as humanly possible. At this point, how else are you supposed to explain what continues to happen year in and year out with this team. Especially with these injuries, but overall with many of the same constant problems. You can't tell me (laughs) that after seeing Jake Bowers added to the roster and called up just yesterday, and after the first play he makes in left field with the big league squad, hurts his knee after crashing into the wall upon making a stunning play, But his first look in the bigs with the Yanks, you cannot tell me after all of these examples that there is not a hex at work here. Get a priest. Find one. Sit the team down in the locker room in a big circle and give them a blessing, each individually. Give them a necklace with the red pepper around it or get one to dangle from the rearview mirror of their car. Something. Holy crap, bro. (laughs) This has been a frustrating week. I'm not, not saying the season's over. No one's saying that here. But it has been very frustrating. And yeah, we did get the news at Jake Bowers. And yes, we're going to talk about this even more later on. We did get the news... Just maybe like a half an hour ago that he's not going on the injured list. Seemed like earlier today it was all but confirmed, but apparently he's not, so that's a good thing. But still, you cannot tell me that you don't feel this way at least a little bit after that first play. The first play he makes. And it seemed like we were getting PTSD Dustin Fowler flashbacks from years ago. And to add on to all that, by the way, I look outside and it's raining. It's been raining the entire freaking weekend without any easing up, which helps absolutely nothing. I mean, it's one of the worst weather weekends in my recent memory. Rain never helps anything mentally. Just doesn't. Whole freaking weekend, start to finish, rain here in New York. No breaks whatsoever. So you got all that going on and about half the roster of vital players for the Yankees are out with the team seemingly not even having a single pulse to report back with. I mean, they go down 1-0 in the first inning. 1-0? 
and you realize you're already asking yourself if the game could possibly be over already with the way the lineup looks these days. This is anything but fun baseball. And shame on those in there who are playing right now who need to pick it up in the absence of those people and are not doing their jobs well enough to keep the team afloat. Yeah, the Yankees don't have many people they could rely on at this point, but Garrett Cole and maybe a couple of bullpen guys are the only ones really holding anything positive up in these tough times. And the reinforcements either get hurt too or just dead weight. And the dead weight part is on the organization, i.e. Cashman and the front office, for believing any of them could change and refusing to acknowledge that they just are what they are at this point in their careers. We know the guys I'm talking about. We have spent months discussing it, and I've grown tired of repeating myself. You can't control injuries. That's true. You cannot control them. But you can control either acquiring already injured players, which has been done plenty in just the last year or two alone, as we know, and you can control being prepared to the best of your ability, roster-wise, for injuries to strike. Especially when you're fortunate enough to have a near $300 million payroll and any and all resources at your disposal, like Brian Cashman and the Yankees do. And maybe it is foolish to be running down all this usual crap as it's only April 30th. And the season is far from over. Sure, no one on this podcast, even though it's just me, is declaring that the season is over with still five months to go and anything being able to happen within all that time. Let alone the fact that Yankee teams, even recently, have started the season badly and still made the playoffs. So making the playoffs is still not nearly out of the realm of possibility. It could still very well happen. This would not be nearly the first time, again, even in recent memory. The team is now 15-14 and after today's humiliating last game in Texas, and they're tied for last place in the East. That is something that's a first time in a long time, being tied or anywhere close to last place in the AL East. Even if it is early, it's still the first time in a long time they're even close to that. And it doesn't mean it's over yet, though. Again, still five months to go in the season. That's true. But when a lot of the same stuff occurs year after year, and it does, it's hard to ignore and dodge, especially if you're a content creator like myself and have to talk about it every single year. That's all I'm saying. Now, the stuff about the priest in the beginning, uh, listen, I'm doing a podcast. I got to make it at least a little bit entertaining for you. <laughs> even even if the slightest part of me may or may not think this team at least is slightly cursed, at least when it comes to injuries. But listen, <laughs> you can still have a realistic outlook about the issues and discuss them and still have some optimism because we're only just heading into the month of May and plenty can still happen from here on out including the possibility of things getting even worse. We, we don't know yet. But I guess those are my thoughts, more or less, guys. Take them or leave them. Plenty of season left to play, but this crap sucks to watch. And you're allowed to be upset even if it is early. Because these games still do count. Want to remind everyone of that. Even if they don't necessarily come with the same pressure as playoff hunt games in September... The games still count. Period. End of story. And the fact of the matter is this. This is really what it comes down to as far as what the state of the team is at this moment heading into the month of May in 2023. Until they get enough guys back from injury or the guys in there now learn how to manufacture some runs in the absence of these vital players, 
at least for now, nothing will change. Nothing. They will continue to go out there with the heartless and lifeless gameplay we have seen for the last week with no help coming. And that's the way it will continue to go until they get guys back from injury. If the people in there currently right now do not step up, you simply cannot turn this around. You can't. Regardless of how unfair it may be, the jobs of the people, of the guys, of the players in there right now who are healthy are to keep this team afloat until you get some of the vital guys back. Bader, Judge, Stanton, the list goes on. Sevi, Rodon, until you get vital guys back, the jobs of the guys in there right now is to keep the team at least afloat until you get those guys back. They are not doing that, so you're seeing a lot of lifeless gameplay, and that will not change until they decide to do their jobs, until they snap out of this funk they're in and learn to manufacture some runs amidst this slump. Regardless of how you do it, even if it's hitting home runs again, which they have done a miserable job at doing this year, especially since Stanton's been out, and that's what they're mainly known for, home runs, and they're not even doing that. Or until they get guys back from injury and hopefully the reinforcements help. Those are the two scenarios, maybe both of them work at the same time, to get this team out of the funk they are in right now. If neither of those things take place, you will continue to see this team sink because what they have right now most likely is not going to cut it as we have seen. Do I think they could turn it around? Of course I do. Like I said, a lot of season left to go, and I do think some of the guys left in there are in a funk right now, and if they snap out of it, then they will be able to turn this around at least a little bit and keep the team afloat. It's not impossible. But am I having a fun time watching this team right now? Hell no. No one is. But that's the deal right now with the team, guys. Until they get enough guys back from injury or the guys in there right now learn how to manufacture runs and keep the team afloat in the absence of these vital players who were injured, at least for now, nothing's going to change. It's not complicated. It's annoying, but it's not complicated. So with all of this being said, and that out of my system officially, <laughs> let's run down the list of all the chaos that took place this last week between news and recapping the games. Let's start with the man who was very clearly, and we all knew this from, from Jump, the identity of this team. And it has spoken volumes about what this team turns into when he is not a part of it. Despite the fact that, yes, he was having a difficult go at it himself prior to his hip injury, but the man is the captain, Aaron Judge. Now, in one of the games with Minnesota this past week, Judge took a weird slide into third base. And it seemed like he crashed down to the ground hard. The upper half of his body just sort of went into the ground. Seemed like he may have messed up his hands sliding into the bag. He was flexing and gripping his hand a whole lot in the dugout and whenever he went out to bat. And that continued into the first game in Texas a little bit until it was revealed that it was actually a hip problem. That amidst the slide, he felt the effects of it getting up the next day, heading into the Texas series. And... Couldn't get the right side of his body really loose. And after he batted in Texas, they took him out of the game in the earlier part of the game. I believe it was in the fourth inning. And they said that it was a hip problem after all that time. Everybody thought it was the hand. I thought it was the hand. You thought it was the hand. The broadcasters thought it was the hand. And by the way, great to hear my boy Ryan Rucco back on commentary this last week on this road trip. Despite how much this road trip stunk, it was great to hear my boy back on commentary. Love you, Ryan. But everybody thought it was the hand. Everyone and their mother thought it was his hand acting up. 
and that it was going to be a much bigger deal. Turns out it was a hip issue. And the entire Yankee universe froze, wondering what the future of the Yankees would be. Now, I said right off the bat, if this ends up being a multi-month injury for the Yankees, stick a knife in this team and just try to do better in 2024 because this team ain't going nowhere without Aaron Judge. Just straight up being as honest as I possibly could about it, guys. This team, if they didn't have Judge and or Stanton for months at a time, this team's not going anywhere. Sorry. It's just not happening. Those hitters are too important to both be out for multiple months and expect much of anything to happen. Yes, is making the playoffs easier than it's ever been, especially with the extended playoffs and more teams being able to make it into the playoffs now? Sure it is. But what are the honest chances of the Yankees being successful without either of those guys for months at a time? It's not very likely, guys. If you're being honest with yourself, it's not very likely. Like I said before, sure, they have guys who could keep things afloat for at least a little while and do good things in their absence, but what are the legitimate chances of them doing that well for a sustained period of time in his absence? Not very likely for being truthful with yourself. He's just the identity of this team, and with Stanton already being out and the nightmare of losing Judge for an extended period of time is just that, nightmare fuel. That's what it is. Fortunately, it turned out to be nothing but a mild hip strain, but there still remains the question. After giving him an MRI in his hip, they're going to reevaluate him tomorrow. After giving him Friday, yesterday, and today off, they're going to evaluate whether or not he could use a short 10-day IL stint because of this mild hip strain that the MRI revealed. Now, The social media question later on may or may not have to do with this, so I'll hold off my thoughts 100% on whether or not I think he'll land on the IL for that point. But it is good news that it's nothing major. And at least for now, you're hoping it doesn't change going forward if he happens to come back in the near future and then maybe aggravate it even worse, and then it turns into a multi-month-long injury because that's a nightmare. But at least for now... It does not seem like this is anything long-term whatsoever, and we could very well have Judge back within the next week. So, if it's for that much time, things could very well be okay, especially if he comes back, he's fine, he's his usual self, whatever. But this was nightmare fuel at the beginning, when Judge came out of the game, especially with the offense doing what it was already doing. Nightmare fuel, baby. And you know what it just... The only thing it leads to, when you're missing guys like Judge and then somebody else comes up, you got... This Jake Bowers kid coming up from the minors. Obviously, we know the deal with him. He had spent a couple of years in the majors from 18 to 20 or 21. Was not great at all. Yankees acquired him. He's been in the minor leagues, and he started off this year really well in the minors. And a lot of people were just curious to see what he had coming up. Because, especially with Judge being out, how much worse could it get? (laughs) Just give another kid a shot. Why not? So, and the first play, like I said before, Made a tremendous catch in left field, but bashes his knee into the wall in the process and has to immediately leave the game. Thankfully, again, within just about an hour ago, it came out that he was going to avoid the injured list, which is great. Um, but again, you just can't make this this stuff up. You can't write it. So, But the only thing it leads to with guys like Judge being out and things like this happening to Bowers and whatnot, the only thing it truly leads to is more opportunities for guys like Aaron Hicks to get even more playing time here with this team. The only organization who would even think 
of giving this guy or anybody like him the time of day anymore. Not only does he continue to be one of the most incompetent offensive players in the last three plus years I have ever had the misfortune of watching, but just when you think it can't get worse, it does. I mean, did you see him playing the field after Bowers had to come out of the game after the first play he made? Almost taking out Volpe coming in on a pop-up. And then almost causes the baseball equivalent of a train wreck out in left center field, jumping in front of IKF the center fielder, which who the hell does that when they're playing left field? With no communication! Some people are quick to mention, well, you know, he might have just felt the need to take charge because IKF isn't an experienced center fielder. Okay, fine. But if you want to take that stance, still I could argue back saying, for a veteran outfielder, where is the communication? It's like he plays with no awareness. He jumps in front. It's like he's trying to make any and all catches to try to be back in people's good graces. When I'm sorry, I'm not sure much could do that anymore at this point. The only thing I constantly ask myself when I see Aaron Hicks play, I mean, amidst all the other questions, and I know everybody's tired of hearing me and everybody else talk about this, but again, you got to talk about it. It's what's happening. But the one thing main thing that I always find myself asking myself is can you believe that this guy used to be the respectable fielder that he used to be? I mean, think back. This is the same guy with incredible range and an absolute cannon for an arm back in 2019 and back. Like, holy crap, bro. What happened to him? People will say, oh, it's a Tommy John surgery that he had a few years back. It turned his arm into a noodle. But what about the range? What about the effort? What happened? Just the awareness, the strategy. Where does that all go? Tommy John doesn't take those things away. I ask myself, maybe did he just miss too much time after that? Had he missed too much time from injury? And he's just accepted that this is who he is after all that? Like, what could it be? Like I said, it's like all he cares about is himself and hogging everything just so he could prove that he belongs. Even though he's already long proven that he doesn't. I mean, I know the money plays a factor, but come on already. When do you cross that line if you're the Yankees? When you do what's best for the team. Having Hicks around at any capacity is not what's best for the team. Under any circumstances, people, how many times do we have to say it? How many? I'm sick and tired of coming on this podcast and spending at least a couple of minutes each week bitching about Aaron Hicks. I'm sure you're sick and tired of hearing it too. But what else are we supposed to do? He has long been a massive problem that every single living being other than the Yankees organization has acknowledged. You gotta talk about it. And he's far from the only problem. I'm not going to make it out to be like, oh yeah, if, if Aaron Hicks is gone, then every Yankee problem will go away. No, that's not true. 
So he's far from the only problem, I will say that. But he is a massive one, nonetheless. And aside from these things being awful, like Judge being hurt and Bowers being hurt, even though both of them are not in the IL as of now, yes, but the more people that go down, not only is it awful enough in its own right without anything else, but again, it leads to people like Hicks getting even more playing time, which is detrimental to the team. And not having better depth than a guy like Aaron Hicks or others in this lineup currently, yes, that falls on the organization, the front office, on Cashman. Again, especially when you have the money that you have to work with and the resources that you have at your disposal. A lot of people may be tired of hearing this talk, especially, again, when it's still early on. I know, but these are the facts. It's what we've been saying year in and year out. It's right in front of our eyes. Whether or not you want to acknowledge it is up to you. But the fact of the matter is, when things like that happen, when these injuries continue to happen, the lack of depth and the lack of talent, other than the main guys on this team, it's always painfully exposed. The one year that comes to mind when injuries were beyond awful, where the Yankees actually fell into a lot of good pieces, and a lot of it was them being very fortunate, but also the depth was solid. The one year where it was actually good amidst a ton of injuries was 2019, that year when they had 30-plus injuries throughout the duration of the entire year, yet the team managed to still win 103 freaking games. And that's why I loved that team so much. But this year, all that's happening amidst all these vital injuries, the team's being exposed. The depth, or lack thereof, is being exposed. And I hate watching it. There are some people out there who enjoy being right, even at the expense of the Yankees losing, because they just love being right that much. I don't like being right if it means it comes at the expense of the Yankees winning, because that just leads to me being sad and unhappy. Will I admit when I'm right? Yeah, I will take the receipts always and remind people when I'm right, just like I do when I'm wrong. It goes both ways. That's the kind of person I am. But if it's at the expense of the Yankees, it does not make me feel any better. Some people out there truly get off on being right, even if it is at the expense of the team. I'm not one of those people. I will be one of the first to remind you when I am right and when I am wrong, but it doesn't mean I'm enjoying it. And these are things that we have seen for a long-ass time now. So that's just a summation, I guess, of a lot of just the emotions that are at the forefront of what a lot of us are feeling, I think it's safe to say. When it comes to this past week, like I said, a lot of crap has happened. Last Sunday, we spent a lot of time talking about the lifeless offense. And this week, I I wish I could report to you that anything were different. But the offense just continued its horrific pattern. Earlier in the week, then it started to look a little bit good in the middle of the week, mid to late part of the week, and now we're right back to where we were at the earlier part of the week. They exploded for 12 runs against the Twins when they were on the verge of being swept back on Wednesday. Unfortunately, that was also the game where Aaron Judge tweaked the right side of his body. And then 
the start of the Texas series. They didn't score a lot of runs in that first game, even though they managed to pull out the win, the only win the entire weekend throughout the four-game set. And now in 13 games, this team has scored three or fewer runs. In 13 games. So amidst all the crap that I just threw at you to start the show, you also have that stat to sit with for a while if you have not already seen it. Speaking of other dead weight and crap depth on the Yankees team, I would like to rescind my apology to Franchi Cordero and reinstate what I had originally said about him. I don't want to do this, but I have to because of what we've been seeing in front of us. Franchi was optioned before they called Jake Bowers up from the minors. After, again, yes, he had been in the majors before since since 2018, but the Yankees acquired him. He's been in the minors, and he started off the year really good down there. And the Yankees thought it was smart to finally give him a shot upon seeing what Franchi Cordero has continued to do. I spoke a little bit last week, again, about how Franchi had some really well-timed home runs, even some promising showings of defense out in right field. Even though his arm accuracy left a little bit more to be desired, the arm strength was there, and he had some very well-timed hits and homers especially, which is what we knew about him. We knew he'd get some flashes of power out of him and maybe a couple of good defensive plays here and there, even though he is majorly awful defensively as of the past, and he is a high strikeout guy. Well, ever since we had those few instances of very well-timed hits and showings of really good arm strength, I want to say strength because not accuracy, strength. I even made sure to emphasize that amidst him doing well. He has definitely returned to the player of which my original description of him to you described. All he was doing was striking out. He contributed little to nothing. And in right field on Friday... I tweeted this because I was actually being serious. You know, a lot of the times I'm comedic. I like to make people laugh. And oftentimes I do, and I'm very grateful about that. It's, it's satisfying to make people laugh and be funny. But this time, I was actually mostly being serious. I was contemplating whether or not Frenchie Cordero took a note out of Mickey Mantle's book and was playing the game at least slightly intoxicated. Because to say I have not seen many major leaguers play the outfield like that would be an understatement. He made jumps running after balls that you didn't have to make jumps for. He let a ball go over his head after he was running backwards towards it and decided not even to turn around and took a horrible route to it. He makes throws back into the infield that bounce 25 times. We knew that these things were were there and were problems in the past for him. But even though there were slight signs of it, even amidst him doing well, I guess he found good ways to even slightly mask these issues early on. But they've started to reappear. And over the course of the last two, two and a half weeks maybe, it's gotten to such a point with him that the Yankees had no choice but to option him. They had no choice. And then, unfortunately, the Bowers injury happened right after his first play in left field. And the Yankees had to immediately get Cordero back, even though he didn't play today. They had to immediately get him back at least 
in case they needed him because Bowers wasn't an option today. Even though they are saying that he's dodging the injured list, he was not an option today because obviously it was just yesterday that he bashed his knee into the wall. So, Franchi is at le- was at least back with the team. But he was optioned. He was optioned. Because Franchi was acting as a fine example of what is wrong with the depth of this team. And the Yankees, unfortunately, because of their failure to utilize and acquire proper depth, have had to use guys like him all too often amidst a lot of the vital guys in the roster being hurt. So, the dead weight is being forced to play even more, like I said. Guys like Cordero. Guys like, and you know, even though he's actually played a respectable center field, I'll give him that as I have the last couple of weeks, I have given him credit where credit's due. At least at the plate, IKF is still being forced to go out there. Aaron Hicks is still being forced to go out there. And then, like I said, you look at the rest of the main guys who are still healthy, whose job it is to keep this team afloat with all these injuries going on. Glaber has sort of rebounded in the last week or so. He has, because he did go into that extended slump a little bit within, within like maybe two weeks' time after his blazing hot start. He started off really hot fell asleep for a bit, then started to resurface. And last few days, nothing's really happened with him, but he did have that monster home run to center field in the Texas series. I'll give him that. That was a monster shot to dead center field, almost 450 feet. But you have DJ not doing an unbelievable amount. Rizzo, I felt, and I love Anthony Rizzo more than almost anybody on this team. So you know this is painful for me to say. But a lot of Rizzo's hits so far this year, have come in situations where there's not much going on and there's not much of a purpose to them. Multiple of his home runs so far have been in like the ninth inning, for instance, where the the game's over, but then he hits a home run. Not all of his hits have been like that, but some of them have been. And in some big situations, he hasn't necessarily come through all that much. Not saying he's bad. It could just be better at times. Especially amidst the dire need for this Yankee team to be the best version of himself while they wait for guys to come back. That's all I'm saying. Volpe's still learning. I'm being patient with him. And I still think that he has continued to show more and more progress as the days go on. So I'm not going to be hard on Volpe. The errors at shortstop have been a bit better the last few days. So... He's learning. that That's just what's going on with him. Oswald Peraza, while I still believe he belongs here and needs to continue to develop himself, he's still got some learning to do as well. He has not been doing too great. Oswaldo Cabrera, as much as I love the kid, how many times have I come on this show and just spoken about how much I love Oswaldo Cabrera? For what he's done at the plate in the past, for his versatility and his skill at all those positions on top of that. Not only just how many positions he can play, but his skill at all of them on top of that. I love the kid. But he has had an awful start to this year. You can't sugarcoat it. You can't let your like 
or dislike of a player prevent you from telling the truth and talking about how things really are. You could talk them up and say maybe if they're struggling, I believe in them to turn it around and praise them when they're doing well, sure. But when things are going off the path of what you'd like them to be, or just of what anybody would like them to be objectively, you've got to talk about it. And Oswaldo Cabrera has not had a good start to 2023. He's not doing well enough at the plate. He's doing fine defensively. He's doing what the Yankees need him to do as far as playing the outfield and playing wherever they need him to play and doing a great job at that. But he is not getting it done at the plate, no matter which side he's hitting from. And yeah, there are certain days where when the Yankees didn't have to, they would sit him for Hicks or anybody else who's a part of the dead weight on this team ridiculously. They would do that, and that's the fault of the Yankees for doing that. But when he has gotten his chances, Cabrera has not done a good job to start this year. So you factor in all the injuries and you factor in certain guys not necessarily doing what they need to do in the absence of all these guys. And dead weight, like IKF from an offensive standpoint having to go out there, Aaron Hicks having to go out there, Willie Calhoun having to go out there, Franchi Cordero having to go out there as of the season prior to Friday when he was finally optioned. All of that mixed together creates a very bad team. And regardless of what happens going forward in the season, that's one thing you have to acknowledge. Right now, going into the month of May, while things could very well, and I believe they will change for the better at least a little bit, it can't stay this bad forever. You have to acknowledge that right now, this Yankee team is just straight up bad. They are lifeless right now. And the second they are down, the second they're in any sort of deficit, even if it's the first inning, like I said before, you begin to question yourself and ask yourself, is this game already freaking over? Even though it just started. And that puts pressure on the pitchers too. Some people are quick to say, yeah, you know, some sometimes the pitchers have gone out there and done a crap job too. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to debate that. Days like today, yeah, Nestor didn't have a good start. Albert Abreu was brutal after him. So was Nick Ramirez. So the pitchers, yeah, they need to be held accountable at times too. But, and don't get me wrong, I'm not giving an excuse to the pitchers here. But let me explain something to you in the same breath. It does something to a pitcher and their mentality, inevitably. They could deny this all they want. But I've spoken to a great deal of pitchers myself who will admit this. It does something to a pitcher in their mind when they know that they go out there with such little margin for error because they feel like if they make even the slightest mistake or even allow a single run, if their offense happens to be completely anemic, that gets to their head and they strive for perfection and for a lot of guys when they do that, it leads to a lot of mistakes. So a dead offense has an impact on the mentality of a pitcher as well. So like I said, if you put all of this together into one beyond screwed up, lifeless formula, you get the 2023 April New York Yankees heading into the month of May. The 15-4 team tied for last heading into May. 
That's what you get when you combine all of this into some sort of recipe. It's a combination of a lot of different things. All of those factors, missing all these big guys with injury, which happens year in and year out. So, we're almost 40 minutes in here already. I can't believe it. But, like I always say, I lose myself when I talk about the Yankees. Just, I get into the conversation, even if it is just me. And that much time passes. Did I hit on just about everything? I'm pretty sure anything I didn't hit on, I will hit on when it comes to finishing off Yankees news right now, recapping the games, or talking to you in the social media replies. It's a safe bet to make. But that covers a lot of what's happened in this last week as far as what the problems are, what has happened. The only thing left to go over really is some injury and roster updates that have taken place in that time period, and then we'll get to recapping the games. How does that sound? But those are just some truths that needed to be told, guys. I don't know, I don't know how else to really put it. You're not going to get any sugarcoating from me. This team's not fun to watch right now. If you want a level-headed opinion about the status of the Yankees, this is the podcast for you. I always say that. You're never going to hear me being that guy declaring the season over when there are still five months left to freaking play. So there's that objective and level-headed view. But it's also acknowledging all of the issues of the team currently and not sugarcoating it and talking about things that need to happen in order for things to turn around. And if they don't happen, it's not going to happen. The turning around will not happen. Very well could happen. But if it doesn't, (laughs) we're going to continue to see them just sink until they get guys back from injury. Let's get to some injury and roster updates as far as Yankees news. We obviously just talked about Judge a bit. We spoke about Bowers a little bit. Let's just run through some other injury and roster news. And maybe even just continue to run over certain things as far as Bowers and Judge again if we have to going forward. But first off, let's start at the beginning of the week as far as the news that surfaced at the start of this past week. So one thing we heard was more more of a bullpen update. And this update was on Lou Trevino, who, other than knowing that he's been having elbow problems since spring training, we have not gotten too many updates on. His updates have been very vague. His timeline has continually gotten pushed back, as we've just heard. Yeah, he's playing catch, he's doing this, doing that. He's on a very slow track back, and we're expecting him at the end of April, the beginning of May, then it moved to May or June. And now, as of this week... It turns out that on his slow track back, he actually suffered a setback in his elbow. And as of Thursday, it was said that he was asking for another opinion on his elbow. But it's not good for Trevino. Elbow stuff. And we know that it's it could very well, I believe it was actually confirmed that it might be a UCL thing. And the fact that he had a setback, even if it's not a UCL thing, you want you never want to hear anything with a pitcher when it comes to two things, elbow and shoulder. Those two things are a nightmare. Or forearm tightness too, because that could also mean that there's something wrong with the elbow and lead to Tommy John. We've seen that many times before, including at Luis Severino a few years back. We have seen that. Those are mainly the three things, but obviously 
mainly the elbow and the shoulder you never want to hear with a pitcher, and especially if they're on their way back and they have a setback and the elbow is getting even worse. It's not a good sign. So if Trevino does end up, by chance, after his second opinion, needing Tommy John surgery, it would obviously mean he's done for the year. And that's another reliever alongside Scott F. Ross. Remember him? Who's out for all of 2023. With that very same surgery, be another relief pitcher alongside Efros, both of whom acquired at last year's deadline. Which would also, speaking of last year's deadline, make every single trade deadline acquisition by Cashman last year useless. At least for 2023. Because Efros, as I said, cooked for 2023. If Trevino gets Tommy John surgery. Even if he doesn't, his prognosis is sounding unbelievably bleak. So if he does, Trevino, done. Montas, there's a chance we won't see him. Even if we do, it'll probably barely be for any time at all. Benintendi's not here anymore either if you want to extend to other deadline moves from last year beyond just pitching. So, 2022 trade deadline, as of right now heading into May of 2023 is looking pretty freaking bad. That's really all I'll say. It's looking pretty freaking bad. So that's the latest on Trevino. Tommy Canely starting to slowly turn things around. I believe he started to throw again. We'll see what happens with him. They're taking it very easily with him because he's had setbacks on his way back here too, of course. So... I don't expect to see him at least for another month or so, if I had to say. Month-ish, at least. Speaking of having a setback, and this one really bothered me because you know how much I love him and how talented I believe he is and how talented he factually is, just a matter of him being able to stay on the field, which every year he has proven he can't for at least a month or so each year. It's like an annual IL stint for him. But Jonathan Lewisica. He felt discomfort while throwing Wednesday, and he didn't throw on Thursday. So, not good news for the bullpen guys, mainly. Most of the bullpen guys on their ways back. Particularly guys with elbow issues. Trying to work their way back, and they should just continue to experience bumps in the road. Amidst the bullpen having the difficulty that it has at points in this young 2023 season, these are guys, especially like Jonathan Loisaga, who are so vital to that bullpen of paramount importance. And God only knows when he's going to be back. If he is experiencing discomfort in that throwing arm after taking the time off that he did, and with them having to be as delicate as they are with this, especially considering it is the elbow, it's usually the shoulder with him in the past, but more setbacks. It's not good for the Yankee bullpen, man. It's not good. Also on Tuesday with a pitching move, just a quick roster thing, Nick Ramirez, as we mentioned before, he's a lefty reliever. He was signed to a major league contract and called up when they optioned Greg Weiser back down as of Tuesday. Because on Monday, they had to use Weissert and a lot of the bullpen because Johnny Brito had his start against the Twins and did not go deep into the game at all in that 6-1 to loss. 
Brito only went two and two thirds, and Weiser had to pitch two innings, and Abreu had to pitch, and Wandy had to pitch, and Jimmy Cordero had to pitch. So with all of that, they had to get a fresh arm out there. So they sent Weiser down and called Ramirez back up. He has been up with the team since. Some positive injury news. Yeah, why don't we get some positive news in here? Because I'm so tired of being negative, having to hear negatives about all the injuries and these guys' roads back. Sevy, as of Friday, it was said that he threw three simulated innings of 40 pitches. And as of this week, between this week and next week, he's expected to possibly start a rehab assignment. That's, of course, the last stage in his coming back. He's probably going to need some time because he's been out for a while now since the middle, mid to end of spring training. So he's going to need some revamping time. But like I said a week or two ago, if I had to guess who was going to be the first one back between him and Rodon, it would be Sevy. And it seems like we're on that path. We'll see how long it does take in the rehab assignment, but Sevy is taking his steps to come back, and it's good to hear because the rotation needs him. They really, really need him. Between guys like Schmidt having to still go out there, Brito figuring it out still, his last start was the best one, I would say, since his meltdown. And also, someone like Herman going out there, even though he's had a couple of good starts here and there, but... You don't feel comfortable with him on the mound really ever. You're just like, oh, God, Herman, anything could happen today. Oh, my God. It could be 10 runs in the first inning, or it could be a no-hitter into the sixth inning. You never know with him. So the rotation needs him, and so does the bullpen, because with guys in the rotation not being able to go far into games because they're just simply not effective enough, that also takes its toll on the bullpen inevitably because they have to eat more innings, and you fry the arms out there quicker. It's all a big machine. And yes, Sevy's not going to be able to go deep into games at the start because, yeah, he's probably going to be in the 70 to 80 pitch range, but he's going to build back up to that. And having someone of recognition in the rotation ultimately is only going to help you as long as he could stay healthy, of course. So that's some decent news. And Carlos Rodon has continued to throw again amidst his back issues, and he seems to be back on his road to coming back. And we'll see the progress he continues to make. Sevy is obviously far closer, but. I don't know, they're saying we'll see Rodon in possibly late May, early June, which is basically the timeline that I gave, I forget if it was a week or two ago, probably a week ago, for best case scenario for him. I said maybe like late May, early June, and Sevy probably mid to late May, if I had to say, because I I think he's going to have to have some time with rehabbing, but Rodon's going to be even more because he's not even close to his rehab assignment yet. But he's working, so listen, you just hope you get them back as soon as possible because, again, the rotation really needs them. As far as other roster and injury news, really the only thing of note other than that was yesterday when Jake Bowers was called up to the majors after they had to option Franchi Cordero because he was doing a horrendous job. And Jake Bowers, for those of you who don't know him, I know I gave a brief description of him earlier in the show, but I'll go a little bit more in depth now. He's played multiple different positions in the past in his time on the Rays, with Cleveland, with the Mariners, all since 2018. Didn't play in the majors at all in 2022, and since the beginning of 2023 has been in the minors with the Yankees. 
and they signed him to a major league contract, and thus that added him to the 40 men, and that was able to be done because of Lou Trevino, because of his setback being transferred to the 60-day IL, which again gives even more evidence to thinking that Trevino is not coming back nearly anytime soon and could possibly miss the rest of the season if he's ultimately told that he needs Tommy John surgery. We'll see. But more information on Bowers. He has not had much success in the majors as of yet. But after being in the minors the last couple of years, and especially with how he was doing in the minors to start this year with the Yankees, people were thrilled to see him. They were like, all right, listen, it may not be the best of options. He has not had major league success in the past from 2018 through to 2021. But you know what? It's another option. It's another change other than just dealing with what's on the roster right now. You know, Franchi Cordero has been playing as awfully as he has been. Can't hurt to send him down and try somebody else. It's better than sitting there and doing nothing and continuing to run the same dead lineup out there every single day. And the Yankees were able to do that. And then he gets hurt on the first play he makes. Again, a, a stunning catch in left field. I even yelled out a curse that I can't say on the podcast, but I I yelled it out, both being worried about him after the play was made and because of that play being made, <laughs> because it was that good. A sliding catch, crashing into the wall, and his knee just went right into the wall. He was down on the ground for a while, and again, like I briefly mentioned earlier, if you remember the whole incident with Dustin Fowler back in... I think it happened in Chicago or Oakland. I'm going to go with Chicago. Let me just look that up real quick because I don't want to. I don't want to get that wrong. It Dustin Fowler. It was in Chicago. Okay, so I was right. Okay. Granted, this wasn't Bowers' major league debut, but first look on the Yankees. First sign of change in 2023 with the Yankees doing with all these injuries and finally optioning Franchi Cordero, looking for a better option. And crashes into the wall, like Dustin Fowler crashed into the wall in Chicago, and it seemed like it was something with his leg. Neither one was getting up. Fortunately, it seems like they avoided disaster with Bowers because he was able to get up and walk off the field under his own power, number one. And two, as of about an hour and a half ago now, give or take, it was said that he's avoiding the injured list, whereas Dustin Fowler missed a significant amount of time with his injury back in Chicago years ago. So that's the difference. But at least in real time, when it was happening, when Bowers was on the ground, definitely some Dustin Fowler flashbacks, which are not pleasant ones. Like I said, you can't make it up. I was really proud of him for making that catch, and I was praying he was okay, but at the same time, I was admittedly saying to myself, you cannot make it up. Kid was just called up, and he makes an unbelievable play, and on that very first play, very first look he gets in left field, and he gets what seemed at the time to be an awful injury. It's, it's just the story of the team right now. That's why the title of the episode is what it is and why I went on the rant that I did at the very start of the episode talking about how this team needs a priest. <laughs> because, listen, you could tell me all the factual things the Yankees need, and I'm aware of it. But at least when it comes to the injuries... <laughs> When it comes to how surreal it seems sometimes just with how bad of fortune the Yankees have had with injuries for so many years now, but particularly to start this season, and with a situation like Bowers especially, it makes you feel this way, that maybe it's just something spiritual at work. 
<laughs> Who the hell knows? Just seems like sometimes this team has a hex at work. It really does. Somebody gave him the Maloika. Somebody's got to have that red pepper. Guard against the evil eye. Somebody do something. Give this team a blessing. But that's the deal with what happened with Jake Bowers. And that's some background on him for those who didn't know. And thankfully, again, he's not headed to the injured list. So we'll see what that means going forward for him if he'll immediately come back into the lineup. In the meantime, at least, until Harrison Bader comes back, which he is said to be making his return quite possibly in the later part of this week. At least that's what's being said right now. So that's the latest on Bader. And as far as Judge, like I said earlier, he did get that MRI on his hip. It was revealed to be a mild hip strain, and they're going to reevaluate him tomorrow and determine whether or not he will have to go to the injured list, even if he does have to, which I hope he doesn't, and I don't think he will for the record. If he does have to, they could retro his IL stint to Friday because he's been out since Friday. So if you put him on the 10-day IL and you retro his stint to Friday, he can be back by like the end of this coming weekend or next Monday. Because that'll be the 10 days. It won't have to be 10 days from tomorrow. If they do it tomorrow, it won't have to be like next Thursday. It'll be like next Sunday or Monday. Because you could retro it. Because he hasn't played since then. He hasn't played since Thursday. So... That's the latest in injuries, guys, and the latest in roster news with Jake Bowers, with Nick Ramirez coming up here earlier in the week, and so on and so forth when it comes to injury updates with guys working their way back, whether it be positive or negative, that is the deal, which of course, much of it is negative, unfortunately, particularly with the bullpen with guys like Trevino and Luazga. Not good news for guys like them. Not good news. And Luazic is the one you really worry about because he really is so important to that bullpen. Even if a lot of people are quick to mention how often he gets hurt, and yes, you would not be wrong about that. I can admit that even as someone who likes him as much as I do. He is very important. When he's out there, he's great. He's an awesome electric pitcher when he's out on the mound. Can't deny that. Well, it's getting late early out here, my friends. Why don't we get to the Yapping Yankees time machine and recap the games from this past week? This should be fun. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's do it. You know, by the way, before we get into the weekly recap, there was one other thing I forgot to mention earlier on in the show. I guess it's appropriate to mention now as we get ready to recap the games and what happened this past week. But one thing that I do want to mention is that on top of all the other crap that we've had to talk about in this episode pertaining to this last week and the injuries and certain guys not performing up to par and the team just ultimately having had a really bad April, especially to end the month, this past week, very frustratingly so amidst all the other problems piled on top of it, was also the week of former Yankees or just people overall who were formerly within the organization at some capacity. Just giving the bird, flipping off the Yankee organization as many chances as they possibly could take to do it. They took it. Really frustrating. You'll hear a lot of the names that I brush through right now in particularly when it comes to recapping all the games, particularly in the Twins series especially. But even someone like Duran on the Rangers, someone who's in the Yankee system, 
Didn't have a bad weekend against the Yankees. So let us start with last Monday where we left off. I was really hoping the Yankees could at least take this series in Minnesota and maybe at least split against the Rangers on the road. Neither happened, as we know. So can't say I'm too surprised after how the offense looked last weekend, but it still did not make it any easier to have to deal with. Monday came around, Brito stepped on the mound again. Did not have an ideal start. Two and two-thirds, three runs, three walks, only one strikeout, three hits, just a lot. A lot of base runners just struggled through it again. Unfortunately, took another loss. And then Weissert and the bullpen had to start up right after that. They had to eat up a lot of innings, the remaining five and a third, since the all the pitching compiled eight innings worth, since the Twins, the home team, won, and there was no need for a bottom of the ninth. So Weissert had to pitch two innings. He allowed a run, Abreu. Pitched an inning and a third, allowed a run, although it was unearned. Did still walk two guys as well. Wandy pitched a fine inning, and Cordero pitched an inning, allowing a run himself. So, basically all pitching except for Wandy and maybe Abreu a little bit, even though he still did allow the two walks, um, did not really have their best stuff. And the offense, well, what can you say about the offense? All that happened offensively was in the top of the ninth on a force-out, by Oswaldo Cabrera, where Glaber scored. That was the only run they scored the whole day. The offense was completely dead. They had six hits, but just could not get anyone home. That's been the story a lot, when they're even lucky enough to get traffic on the bases, which was also not really a frequent occurrence anymore as it was. But even when they did, can't get the runs home. In the bottom of the third, the Twins opened up scoring against Brito and the Yankees. Jorge Polanco, two-run single. Byron Buxton, RBI ground out. Made it 3-0 right away. In the bottom of the fourth, Joey Gallo, new twin, hits a solo shot. Makes it 4 nothing because why not? Tank job, sure, whatever. Bottom of the sixth, RBI double. Makes it 5 nothing by Jorge Polanco. Again, had himself a hell of a night. Carlos Correa, bottom of the eighth, RBI triple. Made it 6 nothing. Why not pile on more, right? And amidst all of it, with Joey Gallo going deep as well, one of the players that I mentioned giving the bird to the Yankees, the biggest bird of all was pitching for the Twins, Sonny Gray. He went seven innings, scoreless baseball, only walking two, giving up three hits, and striking out eight. And even overall in the season right now, his ERA is only .77. Yes, even lower than Garrett Cole's right now, which is only in the very low one, sitting at 111, who's also having a terrific season, of course. But Gray's is even freaking lower after the travesty that was known as his Yankee career. Really tough to see. It's really tough. You don't know if it was... The Yankees' fault, internally, perhaps with coaching. You don't know if they just couldn't handle it here. We all have our ideas and speculations, of course, but only the player at hand knows 100% for sure what it could have been. Um, But that doesn't make it any easier to deal with. And seeing Gallo starting the season off very well in Minnesota, seeing that that's how he should have done in his time as the Yankees, and if he did do that, if he was even a fraction of this kind of player we're seeing right now at Minnesota, or even the player we saw at the Rangers... He would have contributed vastly to the Yankees, but obviously he ended up being one of the worst Yankee hitters I had ever seen in my time watching this team. So Sonny Gray and Joey Gallo doing a fantastic job just giving the Yankees the bird in this first game in the Minnesota series. And to think that with how phenomenal Garrett Cole is doing, Sonny Gray's ERA is even lower. 
And yeah, Garrett Cole got bitten a little bit. Like, for instance, there was the time where that pitch clock violation happened, and then he was taken out of the game, and when the bullpen was in after him, allowed that run to score, it was charged to him, and the only reason that runner reached base was because of the pitch clock violation. Yeah, sure, it counts, because that's the game this year, as of this year, but... Still, not the fairest of ways to add to his ERA. That was the first earned run that scored on his scorecard for the season at the time. And then also, in his most recent start in Texas, even though it was still great and he got the win for it, his fifth win of the season already, the two runs scored because he could not handle a throw to first because it was almost an inning-ending double play. He almost wiggled out of a huge jam on Thursday night, unscathed. But on an attempted double play... The feed from second base, he was covering over at first, and he could not catch the ball. And then after he couldn't make that catch to end the inning, two runs would come home to score after that. So if he made that catch, those two runs wouldn't have come home. And if not for the pitch clock in one of his earlier starts, which would result in the first earned run for him this year scoring, then his ERA would be even freaking lower, probably around Gray's or even lower than his. So if you want to use that logic, then sure. But nonetheless, the runs do count. Because, you know, it was on him for not catching that ball. He knows that. And it was on him for having that pitch clock violation. Regardless of how you feel about the pitch clock, it's it's the game now. So, it is what it is. But regardless, still, all credit has to be given to Sonny Gray. He's doing a hell of a job, as irritating as it is to watch. But he and Joey Gallo did a fantastic job at flipping the Yankees the bird on Monday. Tuesday would go no better. Very similar score to Monday. The Yankees would lose 6-2 to two this time instead of 6-1. to one. And the only runs the Yankees were able to score were, well, the first one was top of the first. The Yankees looked very promising to start the game on a DJ LeMahieu RBI single. And then after that, the Twins jumped back out in front in the bottom of the third on an RBI double by Donovan Solano and an RBI double by Jorge Polanco. And Polanco had himself a hell of a series against the Yankees. Top of the fifth, Aaron Judge grounded into a force out, and that drove home Aaron Hicks, and that made it 2-2, two to two, so the Yankees came back a bit, but then the Twins just took control after that on two two-run shots, one by Byron Buxton, and then another by Trevor Larnack. And pitching for the Yankees that night was Nestor Cortez. Didn't have the best of starts, but didn't have the worst of starts either, but... Five innings, five hits, four runs, three of them earned, one walk, and six strikeouts. And obviously that one unearned run was because in the bottom of the third, Anthony Volpe on a ground ball by Michael A. Taylor had another error at shortstop, another one of his errors earlier in the week. And that run would come home to score on the Donovan Solano RBI double I mentioned before. And other than those two Yankee runs and all of that happening with the Twins particularly those two two two-run homers later in the game that really gave them total control, one of them coming off of Ron Marinaccio. The Yankees fell 6-2. Then on Wednesday, this was the one explosion that I mentioned the Yankee offense had this past week, and we were hoping maybe this changes up the vibes here. Maybe it turns things around and helps things to improve and gets the Yankees back on track. But also amidst this game was also when the judge injury happened, and... This was when we were just knowing that it was the hand, really. We didn't hear of anything else until the next day pertaining to the hip. But at least while the game was going on in live time, the main thing that everyone was thinking about amidst even winning the game, because even amidst winning a game, we have to have something to worry about because in April of 2023, we Yankee fans could not have nice things, was we were just wondering what the judge update was because we wanted to hear the post game and hear what the deal was and if it's going to lead to him 
having to take some time off? How bad is the hand? Did the slide really do that bad of a number on him, that slide into third base? And listen, we can talk about how that wasn't a very smart baseball play, sure. If you want to talk about that it wasn't very smart with a respectable lead to try to steal third with, I believe it was two outs, then fine. We can talk about that. It wasn't that smart of a play, and the risk probably isn't really worth it. But I also had people on Twitter talking about how that could have had to do with his contract. I could not for the life of me follow that kind of nonsensical logic. People were telling me because, you know, oh, he, he it was careless and he's playing like he doesn't really care anymore and because he got paid, you know, judges hurt because he got paid. I could not for the life of me understand that logic. Like you're trying to twist it to the fact that because it wasn't that smart of a baseball play, it's because he got paid. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> if anything... He was trying to give his team a better opportunity to put even more runs up, which shows he cares more about the team. Usually when you make that argument that somebody's not performing up to par because they got paid, it's because they're playing like they don't care. But Judge, while trying to steal third, yeah, you could argue it wasn't the smartest baseball play, but it doesn't mean he doesn't care. <laughs> like, you think he wants to get hurt? Or that it has anything to do with him getting paid? I, I-, I just could not for the life of me understand that beyond twisted logic. I just couldn't. It makes no sense to me. That's utterly ridiculous. But yes, even amidst the Yankees winning, we all had that to worry about. But Judge did have himself a good game that day. Three for four, three RBIs, even walked once. So yeah, he was a little, he wasn't doing the best before this slide, but we all know that the lack of identity this team has without Judge, and even especially when he and Stanton are both out. I mean, we've been seeing it for days now. It's not a fun team to watch at all. So we, we all know what they are like without him. It's a scary thought. And if if you wanted it to be a reality, well, these last three days you saw the reality of it. Again, even if he was himself struggling a bit before this, it it's still without him. His presence means more than just doing well at the plate. There's a lot more to him. You even saw how they suffered without his defense in right field, too. And without him, probably... He probably did some talking to the guys in the dugout during the games, but it's not the same as him being involved in the game and being able to contribute himself any way that he can. Again, even if it is just from a defensive standpoint, because like when you saw on Friday when he wasn't in right field, look how Cordero played right field and how that hurt them at times. It's just a completely different team when he is not there himself to try to contribute when the team is struggling, no matter how you spin it. It's just as simple as that. But yes, the Yankees did explode offensively a bit. Domingo Herman started the game. He did get the win, even though I do wish that he could have really gone at least seven innings, especially with the huge lead the Yankee offense gave him. But he only ended up going six. He allowed six runs, eight strikeouts, so that's good. But five hits, two walks, and the six runs, just not that great. Not a good start for him. Could have been far better, could have given a lot more length, again, especially because of the lead the offense gave him. Fortunately, Ian Hamilton, after him, pitched two scoreless innings, and Holmes pitched a scoreless ninth. And the offense, yeah, this was the one fun day this past week, truly. It was the one fun day. Top of the second, Willie Calhoun, believe it or not, with how brutal he is. I mean, a lot of people have been quick to mention to me that in the last few games, he's gotten some hits here and there. I'm going to need more than a few games. Quite a bit there where he was brutal, and it's just, it's not enough for me. There needs to be more. These guys need to contribute more. I just, I just don't think Calhoun should be here. Maybe they have no other choice right now, 
But again, they could have had other choices. And I look to the organization when it comes to not having better options to go to amidst injury times. But he did open up the scoring in this game. RBI single made it 1-0. Anthony Volpe, RBI single made it 2-0. Aaron Judge, bases clearing double, made it 5-0. So right away in the second inning, 5-0 lead right there. Bottom of the second, Domingo Herman gave up a solo shot to Jose Miranda that made it 5-1, to one, but the Yankee offense piled on again right after that. Two-run double by Anthony Volpe, had himself a hell of a day, the kid, as he continues to find himself, as he continues to learn each and every day. I love to see this kid constantly get better with each passing day. It's a pleasure to watch. Anthony Rizzo after him, two-run double, made it 9-1. to one. Glaber Torres, two-run tank job, made it 11-1. to So the offense, again, just blown up. Jose Miranda had a two-run shot in the bottom of the fourth, made it 11-3. to And then, again, bottom of the sixth, Joey Gallo. <laughs> two-run shot, made it 11-5. This is when Domingo was actually starting to make some people sweat, even though it was 11-5 still. But it's like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, stop giving up these hits. You have a huge lead, just settle in. Bottom of the seventh, RBI ground out for, or RBI force out rather for Max Kepler made it eleven to six. And at this point, we we're like, all right, get get Herman out of there. <laughs> Just wish he would have went the full seven; would have been nice. And then DJ tacked on one more insurance run in the top of the eighth with a sack fly. Yankees win twelve six. So they lost the series to the Twins. It's their first series loss, and this tells you that you know the state of things with the Yankees right now. It's their first series loss to the Twins. Since 2001. It's almost a quarter of a century ago, my friends. I was four years old. I'm 26 now. I was four the last time the Yankees lost a series to the Twins. Usually in any time of struggle, the Yankees could always look forward to bullying the Twins and smacking them around a little bit and using that as a confidence booster to get back on track. When you know they can't even do that... (laughs) Times have changed a bit. So that was tough to watch this past week. Maybe you hope things get a little bit better in Texas. Even though the Rangers don't have that bad a team this year, you hope you can get somewhat back on track, maybe at least split. Nope, couldn't even do that. Thursday night was a good start to it, though, especially with Garrett Cole in the mound. When you see that with the way he started his season, you're automatically a bit more confident, to say the least. He ended up going six and two-thirds, six hits, only two runs. Again, would have been no runs if he made that catch receiving the throw down at first base. Only one walk and eight strikeouts. Gets the win his fifth of the year already. His ERA is only 1-11. God almighty, it's great. And after him, Michael King, who would end up getting the save working two and a third scoreless innings, pitched terrifically. When I mentioned Cole and a couple of bullpen guys really being the main ones, trying to keep this team afloat as best as they can, Michael King was definitely one of those bullpen guys I was referring to. Michael King continues to look terrific. His first outing or two in the season, he was looking like he was having a bit of rust to shake off, that he had to shake off, but he has really coming to his own again, and he looks fantastic. And like I said a week or two ago, maybe in both weeks even, It cannot be stated enough how big of a deal it is for that bullpen if Michael King is the Michael King that we loved last year prior to his injury. And he looks to be that Michael King again. It's awesome. So he and Cole combined for a beautifully pitched game, and the offense did just enough to grab the win. In the top of the second, DJ 
hit a solo shot, made it one nothing. After him, Glaber with that tank job of a home run to dead center field, almost 450 feet, his fourth on the year, made it 2 nothing. Anthony Volpe, RBI single, made it 3 nothing. And the Yankees had a 3-1 lead. This is when the Rangers crept closer when Garrett Cole couldn't catch that ball down at first. It was on that force out by Jonah Heim. That made it 3-1 when Cole dropped the ball. And after that, Ezekiel Duran, another guy just flipping the bird to the Yankees this past week. RBI single made it 3-2. And then in the top of the ninth, fortunately for the Yankees, Jose Trevino with his second home run of the year, tacking on a very nice insurance run. And the Yankees would ultimately grab the 4-2 victory after Michael King closed out the win after pitching his solid two and a third innings. The rest of the weekend stunk. Clark Schmidt took the mound on Friday night in quite possibly one of the more laughable pitching matchups you will ever see come across your phone screen. And that pitching matchup was him against Jacob DeGrom, who unfortunately for DeGrom again, and I don't want to hear people making fun of it because it's just not good for the sport when this happens, how great DeGrom is when he's on the field. But again, DeGrom leaving the game in the fourth inning, I believe it was, with another apparent injury. It really is a shame. The guy is an all-time talent, and he just can't stay healthy. We see a lot of guys with that same problem on the Yankees, but especially with someone like DeGrom, a generational talent to say the least, it really is a shame to see. I hate seeing that. The Yankees weren't able to do much off of him before he left the game, though. He only gave up one hit in three and (laughs) two-thirds. Struck out two, walked one, but no runs. He was looking terrific. But he was taken out of the game. After that apparent injury, Clark Schmidt, his final line, not pretty, other than the strikeouts maybe with eight, but five innings, ten hits, five runs all earned, walked a guy, gave up a home run, eight strikeouts, fine, but he's now 0-3, ERA is up to 684, with maybe a decent start or two sprinkled into there. The start against Toronto was good, except for the very end there, but I mean, it's just... <laughs> This is why we all stress how badly they need Rodon and Seve back. How badly they need them back. Because you're continually getting starts like this. And again, only five innings. There's only three innings for the bullpen to eat, but how many times did Clark Schmidt even, not even go five? It's, just, it's bad. Jimmy Cordero pitched two scoreless innings after him, though, which was good. He's been he's been pretty solid. ERA is only 261. And Albert Abreu pitched a scoreless inning after him. And he was doing decently as well, before today at least. Today fell apart in today's game here on Sunday. But uh, it didn't matter. Damage was done. Yankee offense was completely dead. The only runs that they scored were in the top of the fifth on a Kyle Higashioka RBI single when they were already down 5 nothing, And then a Willie Calhoun sacrifice flying the top of the sixth. They would take the 5-2 to two L. Yesterday, just about as boring of a game as you could probably imagine. Pitching for them was Johnny Brito again. Brito did not even do that bad a job at all. Had some help with defense, particularly in the first inning with Jake Bowers' fantastic play again. But five innings, four hits, only two runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. Got taken out with a, with a small pitch count. I believe he only threw 59 pitches. Yeah, 59. He was taken out pretty soon. So that made me scratch my head a bit. But the bullpen did take care of business after him. Marinaccio, scoreless inning. Ian Hamilton, scoreless inning. Another guy who's been doing solidly in that bullpen. Wandy Peralta, scoreless inning. So, like I said, Garrett Cole and a few guys out in the bullpen trying to keep things afloat as best as they can. 
Um, but it's it's tough out there right now, man. And if you don't score runs, you're not going to win. And the Yankees didn't score a single run. I mean, the only things that happened throughout the game was that two-run shot in the bottom of the fifth by Duran off of Brito. That was it. It was one mistake Brito made after having some help by his defense again, but not a brutal start. His stuff looked probably better than either of his last two or three starts. And the Yankees couldn't get a run across if the other team served it up to them on a silver platter. Can't win if you do that. And today was just a complete and utter embarrassment to lose the series 3 out of 4 and lose the game 15 to 2. Yeah, you heard that score correctly. Nestor started this game. It did not start off well with a first inning grand slam. And then the fifth inning was just all kinds of ugly again with the Rangers putting four more runs up against Nestor. It just wasn't good. A two-run shot by Nathaniel Lowe. Garcia, who is just taking the league by storm RBIs-wise and with his power that he's had for some time now. Solo shot of his own. And then, even after Nestor came out, when he allowed seven runs at that point, then Albert Abreu came in and had his own meltdown. I mean, even Abreu, after that, Nestor allowed his seven runs, beefing up his ERA to 491 now. He did have seven strikeouts on the afternoon, but four and two-thirds, seven runs, five hits, four walks, not a good look. Three home runs allowed. Bad day for Nestor. And then Abreu came in and allowed his six runs after that, and just one inning pitched, six runs, four walks, absolute meltdown for him. And then Nick Ramirez came in after that and just thought it would be fine to give up two more runs even. So... Again, that amounts to the 15 runs, and the Yankees, they only put up two runs, one in the top of the third on a Peraza RBI ground out, and then another run in the top of the ninth on a Kyle Higashioka bases loaded walk when the Yankees were losing 15-1, to so what the hell does that matter? Just a really bad last week of baseball, guys. Really bad. So, dead offense. Even occasional meltdowns pitching-wise, but it was mainly the offense. Pitching tried to do the best they could, I would say. And it just didn't turn out pretty. And again, a week of more middle fingers being flipped off to the Yankees by people who used to be in this organization. Sonny Grazy right now at .77. Joey Gallo doing what he's doing. And if you want to look elsewhere, there was even a tweet that I saw earlier by someone on Twitter. Forgive me for not remembering who it is, but... They also mentioned, again, how good a role does Chapman's been doing in KC. And, and we've spoken about that a little bit on Yapping Yankees as well. That piece of crap is doing well over there. And Ezekiel Duran even doing what he did this past weekend. And if you want to look even more elsewhere, I think the the tweet also mentioned the fact that Jordan Montgomery has an ERA barely over three since he left the Yankees. It's, it just stinks. It stinks. It really does. Like, I'm glad Bader's here. I mean, even though he spent a lot of his time here hurt, but he also did have some massive moments here so far, and I hope he continues to have them when he gets back. But it's just things like this. You just, it's really annoying to see. Obviously, you did not want Chapman back if you got him for free. Or if he paid you to be here. You you didn't want him back here. And you like having Bader around. But... And Sonny Gray could not continue his time here either, of course. Neither could Gallo. But it's it's really frustrating to watch when you see all these guys. <laughs> it's just it's not the best of looks, even though, yeah, they couldn't spend any more time here, logically. <sighs> it was just a bad week, guys. What, what can I tell you? What, what am I going to tell you that I haven't already said in these last 
hour and 20 minutes almost now. What else can I tell you? What's ahead for the Yankees as the month of May comes in? And hopefully it leads to some people coming back from injury and maybe the Yankees could turn it around. Because again, we know there's a lot of season left to play and we'll see what they could do. But the month of May comes in starting tomorrow. They will begin a series coming back home really quick against the Cleveland Guardians. Tomorrow night's game is at 7.05 Eastern. The pitching matchup is Quantrill against Herman at the stadium. Tuesday night's game, the second, is at 7.05 as well. Garrett Cole is set to take the mound that night as he continues to just do all he can to try to keep the sinking ship afloat as of now, the ship that's sinking right now. Again, hopefully they can turn it around, but it's sinking as we speak. <laughs> and then on Wednesday to finish off the series, another night game. I'm kind of surprised they didn't make it a weekday day game, but I'm not going to complain. That means I could watch it. And the third is also my brother's birthday, so I look forward to celebrating that. My awesome brother Thomas, my best friend in the entire world, turning 19 years old. Happy birthday, Thomas. Or early birthday, I guess. I'm pretty sure I'm your first birthday wish. Anyways, that night, the Yankees will be throwing Clark Schmidt out there against Shane Bieber. Another interesting pitching matchup. We'll see how they fare with this series. Thursday, they have a day off. And then Friday, they go to Tampa. God help them. And it's kind of complicated with Tampa right now because you can't really tell just how good they are. I mean, listen, they, their record looks fantastic. They're 23-6 and six for crying out loud. But... They have also undeniably played some pretty bad teams. And now I'm not going to take anything away from them, okay? Before you call me a homer Yankee fan, which I'm anything but. Just about everybody out there can tell you that, anybody who knows me. But you can't take away, I'm not going to fully take away what they've done. Because it doesn't matter how many bad teams you play in a row. You're going to have a bad series every now and again. And to start the season off the way they did winning, what was it, 13 in a row? and being undefeated at home up until about like a week and a half ago. It doesn't matter how bad the teams are that you face. You're going to have your bad days, and you're going to have your losses no matter what. Like we always say, every team's going to lose at least like 40 to 50 games, and every team's going to win at least 40 to 50 games. So it's still impressive nonetheless. Yes, you can mention they're playing teams that are not so great, but it's still impressive to start the season as they have been. So you can mention that, but also you can't really fully take it away from them because getting off to any kind of start like that, no matter who you're facing, is still impressive. It still is. I'm just mentioning that because we're yet to see how the Rays do against some of the league's best talent possible. And one of the series they did have that was against the Blue Jays, and they lost that series. So I'm just saying, not, not saying anything negative about them or taking anything away from them, but... We'll see how the Yankees fare against them this coming weekend, especially if Bader's back, if Judge is maybe back in the lineup by then, if he doesn't hit the IL. We'll see what happens. Anything could happen. But Friday night's game is at 640. That's Friday, May 5th. The pitching matchups are yet to be announced for this series. Saturday is at 410 at the Trop again. That's the second game of the series. And rounding it out on Sunday... In the trop, it'll be a 1.40 p.m. start on May 7th, the next time we speak, next Sunday. So that's what's ahead for this coming week with the Yankees. Let's see if they could turn anything around. The Guardians are not doing too great. Coming into the upcoming series, starting tomorrow, they're 13-15. and 15. Again, the Yankees are 15-14. and 14. Like I said before, as ugly as it is right now, and you have every right to be upset and talk about all the problems as I have, but... The Yankees have had teams before 
who have started the season through the first 30 games or so, through the first month at large, badly. And they've still made the playoffs. And in 2009, you might forget, if you want to tell me, oh, Mike, it's not all about the playoffs. It's about winning the World Series, too, and going all the way. I'm not going to argue with that. So let's go to 2009, for instance. The start to that season was pretty crappy, too. If you remember that April, I remember it. It was only my second-ish year watching baseball. started watching at the very end of 2007. So I guess it was like my second full year watching baseball. But I remember it. It was a crap start to the season. They ended up winning that year. Maybe they don't have as many injuries as now or as much as they've had to deal with in the last five years or so. But my point is the Yankees have had seasons where they start out this badly and they still made it to the playoffs or even went all the way. So you could talk about all the problems, get fired up about it, and it would all be valid. A lot of it's valid. But nobody's saying it's completely over yet because, again, there's still plenty of baseball to play this year. Or maybe it could get worse. We don't know. We don't know because there is just that much more time left to go. But is this a fun Yankees team we've been watching? Absolutely not. It has been beyond miserable and... I can only hope that this week is the start of any sort of turnaround they get their hands on. Because people are already ripping each other's throats out enough throughout the Yankee fan base. People are losing their minds over this. And trust me, I get being frustrated over it. I do. I totally get it. But uh, it's, it's quite chaotic, especially on social media and particularly when you see as many people as we've been seeing lately just tearing each other apart, just arguing about the Yankees, and it's crazy. It's to be expected from social media. They say especially Twitter is the cesspool of humanity. At least that's what I've said. So that's expected. But it's chaotic. And hopefully for our own sakes, and obviously for the Yankees' sake, first and foremost, you know, which then leads to how we act, (laughs) they can have this week be the start of some sort of turnaround of any kind. All right, let's wrap up with the social media segment. Got an open-ended question for you this week. And... Like we've spoken about with the injuries and all the badness that's been going on with the Yankees for the last week or two. Obviously, the biggest story that we've all been talking about with the injuries is Aaron Judge. And tomorrow's a big day. I mentioned all throughout the intro and all throughout the show as a whole. So if you you missed it at all, for some reason, if you just happen to skip to this part of the show and miss the earlier part, go listen to the rest of the show. If you happen to miss what I said, the Yankees have a big day tomorrow with quote-unquote, reevaluating Aaron Judge because after his MRI and his hip, they basically said they're going to handle the situation with Judge as follows. They're giving him the rest of the weekend off against the Rangers, and then on Monday, they're going to reevaluate him and determine whether or not he needs a 10-day IL stint. And if he does, the good thing is that they could retro the IL stint back to the start of the weekend because he hasn't played since Thursday. And in that case, you get him back at either the very end of this weekend or the very start of next week as opposed to the middle or end part of next week. So it wouldn't be that long. You give him that extra rest to ensure that he gets more resting time in and you don't push things a bit too far with him perhaps and maybe lead to a long-term injury, which then would obviously be catastrophic for the Yankees as we've seen with the way they play without him the last three days. What this team is like, again, without him and or Stanton in the lineup. It's not a team that many people would like to watch and have a good time with because there aren't many good times to go around. So the question really is, the biggest question looming on everybody's minds heading into tomorrow, 
and considering it has to do with the grand subject of all these injuries and the badness happening happening with the Yankees this last week, do you think Judge will ultimately need an IL stint? How will the Yankees handle it? Me personally, I do not think he's going to need one. I'm hoping he doesn't need one, obviously, because any time that he misses is to the detriment of the Yankees, big time, goes without saying. So... I hope he doesn't. I don't think he will, and I'm going to trust this team, which of course would get me into a lot of trouble and a lot of hurt because we know how wrong this team ends up being with injuries a lot of the time or their lack of honesty in this department. But I'm going to trust them this one time and hope that they really think that this is mild to the point where resting throughout the entire weekend was enough. If you have to, maybe rest him for another day or two, but, you know, if if you have him out for even another week, week and a half, yeah, I still think they could bounce back after that. There's still going to be so much more baseball left to play. And I do understand people saying you don't want to push him and then risk a longer-term injury, so maybe it's better to put him on the IL and give him another week or so of rest. I, I can hear that. I do. But the sooner you get him back, the better. And if it is truly, like, he, they should be able to tell right when he takes some swings, and hopefully he's up front, because, you know, Judge is that guy to feel something, he wants to get right back down into the cages and try to loosen back up. Boone said that he did that, and Boone recommended against it, which I do agree with Boone in that case. Don't push it, because the Yankees need you. So, I'm hoping that after a reevaluation tomorrow, that if he feels anything tugging at him again, then at that point I would put him on the I.L., Retro it, of course, but I would put him on the injured list and give him another week or so. It's basically going to be up to what he tells them he feels. If he's taking swings and it feels like it did on Thursday where he can't really loosen up, it unfortunately might be best to do that. But I'm hoping and I'm believing that after these last few days of rest that he should be ready to go. And I hope he is. So I'm going to believe that the mildness of the hip strain was just that mild and that these last three days or so of rest were good enough for him to get back out there and help this team to try to turn this crap around. That's just what I think. Let's hear some replies before we finish up here. We'll start with at you saying no. He does not think that judge will ultimately need an IL stint. That's what I like to hear. At Marianne337, 93704, says, Nope, he will be back as soon as he can. There's no doubt about that. He definitely wants to be in there. At RMNY1976 says, Yes, I think they're waiting on to see if Bader makes it through this weekend healthy. If he does, they bring him back early and IL judge. You see, I don't really... I don't think it has much to do with Bader. I think Bader's going to be ready to come back when he's ready to come back. And the date that I've heard a lot of is May 5th, which of course would put him at the end part of the week, probably for the Tampa series. So, because they're, they're off on Thursday. So if they have the Guardian series and Bader continues his rehab assignment throughout these next few days, be off on Thursday, come back with the team and be reinstated on Friday. I don't think it has anything to do with Bader. Especially because if Judge is ready to go tomorrow or Tuesday, he's going to be back before Bader anyway. I just don't think one really has anything to do with the other. I think they're planning to bring Bader back when they're planning to bring Bader back. I don't think Judge plays a part in that personally. That's just my view. At Evan Wetzel 11 says, Now is the time to place people there. Playing him through it only messes up a clean playoffs if we even get there. 
Well, yeah, this is this. I guess goes back to the risking further injury. It depends how he feels. It depends. If he's warming up and he feels okay, then put him back in. I definitely get that now is the time you want to be careful to prevent disaster for later in the season, potentially destroy your chances for getting to the playoffs and getting far into the playoffs after that. I understand that logic. It depends on, on how he feels, though. Because if he truly can get back in there, then you want him to. So, that's just my opinion. We'll see. At Crusaders, BBNY says he will definitely be out for a couple of weeks. Well, remember, even if he is on the IL, and yeah, they could keep him out even longer than that if they want, but I don't think he would be out for a couple of weeks. I think they would IL him and then maybe be out for another week at the most. That's just my opinion. A couple of weeks for a mild strain, I don't know. We'll see. You obviously want to be a bit delicate with it because of his importance. I don't know about a couple of weeks, though. At Greg Andriano 5 says, probably 10-day IL retroactive to three days ago, so only be on there for a week. Yeah, that's exactly what I said about the retroing. But, all right, so you think probably. Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, especially because it's the Yankees, but, and you know, their thing with injuries. But, I just don't think they will. I'm I'm remaining confident with this for some reason, but I, I just am. I'm having faith in Judge when he said that it really just felt like a little bit of a grab, and, and you know that he thinks he'll be good to go. I'm I'm believing in him. We'll see. At Jersey Yankee Girl says no, I don't think so. I think he just needs two to three more days of rest. Uh, yeah, maybe. Even if he's not necessarily ready to go tomorrow and if he's not placed on the IL, maybe they rest him for the rest of the Guardian series. If you're going to if you're gonna not put him on the injured list, but you're still gonna keep him out, I might as well rest him for the Guardian series. But then there's the question of bringing him back on the Tropicana Field turf. And we know the problems that the turf has caused for a lot of guys injury wise. So if you think of it like that, maybe you do put him on it and then retro him and he'll be back by Monday, give or take. So that's a thought, I guess. But I, I just, I want him back as soon as possible, so long as it's the safest way. If he feels even a little bit of a grab when he's warming up, then yeah, I probably aisle him until the beginning of next week. That's my view. But I'm being confident that he could come back. Being confident. At CC Egan 7 says, yes. So you think he will need one, okay. This is a bit of an even distribution, but if I had to say, more people than not think that he will be going to the IL. Interesting. At Tony New York 1 says, unfortunately, I believe he will. History says he heals slowly. Well, history was some time ago. You know, people forget Judge has not been injured since like 2020. It's been a while. And unfortunately, this time, it just so happens, you know, it was a freak thing on a slide. That's another reason why people say, oh, it's because he got paid. You think he wanted to get hurt in a slide? It was a weird slide. It happens. <laughs> I, I just can't even be bothered to listen to that kind of nonsensical logic. I just can't. It's it's annoying to listen to. Up next, it's at Bill Brown 35 saying, it's the New York Yankees. Of course he goes on the injured list. <laughs> uh, I hope not. At Tommy V. Art says, at this rate, the whole damn team will be on the IL. It's looking like that. Even just, I think it was yesterday, even though Wandy did appear in the game. Boone said that Wandy Peralta, he hadn't appeared in like four games because he's a little bit beat up lately. I mean, the way that it's being described, you'd think it's the end of August with the wear and tear on these guys already. It's absolutely wild. It really is. It's the end of April. 
And the way you're seeing and hearing of these guys being all banged up the way they are and the wear and tear in their arms and their bodies, you, you would think they'd been playing for four or five months. It was like the second half of the year already. It's crazy. So yeah, Tommy, you know, it's it's not ridiculous to have that sort of logic. You know, we've been kind of trained to think that way at this point. <laughs> Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, I'm going to be optimistic and say no IL stint for Judge. He already said he was feeling better. I think he'll be back this coming week at some point. At least that's my hope because we need Judge. <laughs> yeah, we do. And I agree with you. I'm being optimistic too, Rebecca. At CP to IA says, it doesn't sound like it, but with how cautious the Yankees have been in the past, it would not shock me if they put him on the 10-day IL. It wouldn't shock me either, but I'm just I'm just trying to stay optimistic because I want Judge back in there as soon as possible, selfishly. But obviously, if he feels even a slight grab, I'm going to want him to rest more because I don't want it to turn into a multi-month injury, in which case I think with having him and Stanton out for more than a month or two, I think sinks the team more or less. That's just my opinion. My good friend James Celestin at Rebirth Chaos 09 says, I hope not, because this offense was terrible with him and even more terrible without him. It's starting to get late early, and this team is sinking fast. No starting pitching outside of Cole and Nestor, and with Stanton not coming back till June, it's even more terrible. Yeah, that's a bleak outlook on things, but you're not wrong. And yeah, even he was he was struggling a bit. Even when he was around, and the offense was struggling even with him there. But, I mean, if you had to choose whether to have him or not have him, obviously you have a better chance of turning things around if he's there. Yeah, of course. No question about that. And, yeah, outside of Cole and Nestor, <laughs> not too much going on. And even Nestor had his clunker today and didn't have that great a start in Minnesota. So you hope he's not starting to go down a bit. Again, that emphasizes the need for Seve and Rodon. And not having Stanton, <laughs> we've spoken plenty about that. And how badly that hurts them, even if some people don't want to face that because they just want to hate on him for how much he's hurt. Which, again, is not irrational because he has been hurt just that much in his time as the Yankees. He has been, not denying it. But there are also people who forget how great he is when he is on the field. Yes, key words, when he is on the field. I understand that. But he does contribute the way he does when he is on the field. That's the point I'm trying to make. And it does hurt them when he's not around. That's my point. And that much is true, objectively. Tom at Baseball Tzar says, I think he'll go on the IL and miss two to three weeks. Just my opinion. Bader coming back will take a bunch of stress off the outfield. I don't know about a bunch of stress, but I'm hoping he could provide that spark plug and, you know, provide a lot offensively and have some good defense out there in center. And it would prevent a lot of other dead weights having to play a lot more of the time. That's for sure. Yeah, that would help things. But yeah, even if he is to go on the injured list, hopefully it wouldn't be for like two to three weeks because then you're creeping into the territory there where that's a lot of time without Judge. When you're creeping towards a month, I don't like that. That doesn't make me feel good. When you're starting to creep towards a month or even two months, uh, <laughs> not territory I want to explore at all. Up next, we have at VinMan23 saying, I do. You don't want this to linger and they can't play shorthanded. You definitely don't want it to linger. If it does grab at him again come tomorrow upon the reevaluation, if he's still not feeling 100%, I would IL him for a week. I would. It just depends on how he says he feels. But I'm, I'm remaining confident that that won't be the case because the Yankees need him. 
at Laura underscore Ice Month. My friend Laura says, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on the injured list. It may only be a 10-day situation and they can retroact to the 28th. It's not ideal, but I'd rather him get the rest he needs now so he can be healthy later when we need him the most. Yeah, of course, later is when you need him the most. No doubt about that. But uh, hopefully, again, the hope is just to get him back as soon as he can because they need him that badly. At Yankee Ken says, maybe a short one that's backdated. They're not going to run him out there until the issue is completely gone. Yeah, hopefully not. And I'm just hoping it's completely gone now, in which case, yeah, put it back out there. But we'll see with his uh, reevaluation, as they call it. At Javi N114 says, no, I do not. I think he just needed the three to four days of rest. That's the hope, man. <laughs> that's the hope. At Musician DMD, Spencer. Spencer says, yes. As minor as the injury may be, I don't believe Judge will fully recover in under a week. I'd expect the Yankees to be precautious and give him maximum time to recover, and I'm okay with that. And I accept that it will continue being a challenging time for the team and fans. Yeah, the more time he misses, the more challenging it would be, that's for sure. That's for damn sure. But yeah, listen, if he if he does have any feeling left with the injury, if it's still grabbing at him, yeah, I give him the rest of the week. I do. Just depends on what we hear. We shall see. At Mountain Gal 456, Tina says, I don't want to see it, Mike, but if he does, I hope it's only for the 10-day IL stint. And yeah, if they want to just have him come back immediately afterwards, again, it could be at the very beginning of next week because they could retro it. So, at the Mike C23 says, with his contract, yes. What does that mean with this contract? See, this is what I don't get. The people mentioning the contract. I don't understand it. Do you mean if they want to they be as cautious as possible because how much they're paying him? Then I guess I'd understand that. But other than that, I, I, I don't even think the pay has much to do with that. I think they would just want to be cautious with him because they realize how important he is to the team and how much they care about him. I, I just I don't understand the contract, the relevancy of that. But maybe it's just me being dumb. At Yanks317 says, Sounds like a close call, but what's the benefit of putting him on the IL? You can maybe get him back day eight, for example. Having judge for two days is way more significant than having the next man up for the next six to seven days. Well, the point of the IL stint is if he's still feeling the injury to give him more time to rest. That's the benefit. Because you don't want this to turn into a long-term thing because then you're screwed. So that's what you're looking to avoid here. At BNSF Rail says, I think an IL stint would honestly be a smart thing to do if the Yankees were extra cautious with him rather than make the injury worse to me. Well, it's not a guarantee it would make it worse, but yes, if he still feels it, it would definitely be the safer thing to do. I can't argue with that. At B2B Seth says, nope. I'm hoping you're right, Seth. I would say a lot more people are saying yes so far. Hmm, okay. At jcar728 says, if he goes, even on the 10-day, we're still in bad shape. We're lucky to win two to three games during that stretch. The problem is also when he comes back, it may be another week or two to get his swing back, so it's a lot longer. Our offense is down than those 10 games. Yeah, it's true, but I don't think he'd need as much time because it's not like missing a couple of months like Stanton will have missed, but it may be some time to readjust, but it's it's Judge. I, I believe in him. I do. But yeah, when, he, when he's out, you're probably not going to win many games. You're right about that. As we've seen, they haven't won any since he's been out <laughs> in the last three days. 
at Mark underscore 0119 says, I'd be okay with an IL stint this early to make sure he's healthy in August and September. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, it's a good way to think, but that's not a guarantee he'll be healthy later on. Something else could happen later on. That's the complication of talking about this sort of a thing. It's tough. doesn't guarantee him being healthy after. But all you can do is just hope that these last few days were enough. And then he could avoid the stint and they get him back as soon as possible so it could add to the possibility of them turning this crap around. That's what you hope for. All right, let's finish off the usual final two. Like everybody said, it's getting late early out here. (laughs) Even if it is only May as far as the baseball season. But for this podcast, we're almost an hour and 50 minutes in for crying out loud. So let's finish up. First out of the final two, as usual, is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And she says, I don't feel that he'll need to be placed on the IL, but I feel the Yankees may want to be cautious considering his significance to the team and might want to sit him out for a few more days to take it easy. Sometimes a little rest is all you need and may very well help. It's a good way of looking at it, yeah. If he needs it, then uh, a few more days, maybe just sit him out the Guardian series. Depends how he is tomorrow. So we'll see, but that's a good way to look at it. And last but not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, I honestly think it would benefit Judge to be on the injured list since it would be retroed since he last played. I know the Yankees are basically nothing without Judge. 15-2 to today, I mean, come on. Keep putting Hicks out there, great decision. They made no big moves with the offense, and here we are, a failing team in April. I wish the trainers of these players would tell them to stop with all the hardcore training with weights because it causes constant injury. Stamina is all they need to build, not muscles. Maybe these horrible losses need to keep happening to wake the front office up. Judge cannot be the whole team. Well, yeah, how much did we talk about that last week, Mom? How the Yankees just basically marched to the beat of Judge's drum. Like, whatever he's doing, the offense at large is doing. It's just not good. He cannot be the whole team. He has to be that leader, and he could lead the way, but he can't be the only one doing anything. It's just not realistic to ask of any one person. So, you're definitely right about that. As far as what they're doing wrong, I mean, listen, this injury thing is going on all around baseball. just happens to be seemingly at an even worse level with the Yankees. But, you know, like they always say, nobody's going to feel sorry for them, and that's true. But regardless of what the problem is, it would be really great if they found the solution to what it could be. People are suggesting, could it be the pitch clocks? Well, I don't really see how it could be that because the Yankees have had a great deal of injury issues for years now, and the pitch clock was only introduced this year. So I don't really see the relevance in that. And in the last few years, the Yankees have fired their training staff before. So when you have multiple different training staffs, I mean, how many times can you say it's the training staff, it's the training staff? I mean, hopefully you're bringing in, when you're firing the prior staff and bringing in a new one, hopefully there are some new philosophies and you can maybe have some new mindsets and opinions and takes in there to maybe fix things. I don't know what's going on in there and likely nor do you unless you're a part of the Yankees organization listening to this. But I really wish that they knew what the problem was because this crap sucks seeing this every single year with the injuries. There's no doubt about that. Whether it be constant weight training or just not enough stretching, whatever it could be. Or it could just be the horrible luck of the draw. Just everybody's getting hurt left and right. It stinks to watch. It really does. But yeah, with the IL, a lot of people have said that, Mom. That it would benefit him. Just give him extra rest. Don't want to push it too far. You could retro it. And yeah, guys like Hicks constantly being forced to be out there now amidst all these injuries or just lack of depth and uh, refusing to acknowledge that 
just not good for the team because of money or otherwise. Just continued irresponsibility of the Yankees that we've spoken about for a long time now. So that's the deal. Hopefully they could turn things around. What can I tell you? Okay. (laughs) About an hour and 50 minutes in, guys. One of the longer yapping Yankees episodes yet again. Hey, we had a lot to talk about this week, right? So I think this is a good point to wrap up. Episode 180. Please remember, guys, if you do not already, to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. Instagram, MikeScuds97. Please also remember to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms. It is available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love across all four like you always do such a great job at doing, my friends. And if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, episodes 34 up to 180 today are all available on YouTube. And every single episode going all the way back to episode one about four years ago now, all the way up to today's episode, those are all available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good people, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, May 7th, when I come at you with episode 181 and the first episode of the month of May of Yapping Yankees. But until then, you know the deal. Hang in there. Be patient. (laughs) Those two things are especially tough right now in Yankee land, but try to do it nonetheless. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week. And uh, maybe somebody entertains my priest idea when it comes to the injury hex at work here. I mean, what could you have to lose at this point? <laughs> I mean, between that and the guys in there right now, they just simply have to perform in the meantime. And hopefully starting with Bader's return this week, hopefully little by little you get guys back and that could jolt some life back into this dead lineup because if you don't score, you can't win. <laughs> like we always talk about, you don't score, you're not going to win the games. Like I said earlier, it is not complicated. You have to score. Score more runs than the other team. That is how you win a baseball game. So get Bader back, get Judge back in there hopefully before too long. Try to turn this thing around. It has been tough lately. Try to turn it around. Talk to you next Sunday, my friends. Take care, and let's go Yankees. (laughs) 